right, let's do it. Week two of our Love Well series. Last week, we kicked it off, and we talked about how we all love the idea of love. There's like nobody out there that would be like, you know what we have too much of in this world? Love. If we could just tone down the loving one another. No, we all are in on the idea of love. Loving one another, and, and so we love love. I love love, you love love, our songs love love, our artwork in our homes love love, our shirts, we say love and love, and love. we love love in its idea of rose petals, and it's easy, and love. We love that kind of love. But the truth about love is like love is complicated, and love takes work, and love takes sacrifice, and love is actually ugly. Like we paint out love to be pretty and hearts and it's so in a cute font, but like really love should be like grungy font at times, right? Like love is hard work. So last week we talked about, we all love love, but then the actual work and process of love is complicated. But Jesus in the scripture says so much about love and how we're called to walk in love and how everything comes down to love. We said this last week, we said, it's easy to pretend to love God we come in here and we can make it look to others like we love God and we, we live for God and we, and we can show all these ways that, that, that we're loving God. But then we said it like this, it's hard to pretend to love your neighbor. It's hard to pretend to love your neighbor. It's hard to fake that because you pass them in the driveway, you're around them. It's hard to love your coworker. It's hard to pretend to love your coworker is what I mean to say. Because why? Because they're real life interactions. You can see them, feel them, touch them. It's real life. It's happening. The neighbor's blowing his clippings into your yard, right? He's shoveling his snow onto your I mean, there's all these real things that happen. Or is that just me? Is that, do I need to move on to my neighborhood? But it's all these things that happen in the break room and on the, all of these things happen. And so you can't fake it because it's happening right in front of you, real life. I said it like this. I wrote it down like this. Love is not a sentimental thought. All of us go like, oh, love and God's love. And it's this idea. It's this thought. But we know love has to be an action. It has to be executable. It has to be in play. Are you with me? Last week, we uh, took a look at how Jesus, this is where we sort of started this series from. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is speaking. He says this uh, before he's about to go and die on the cross. He says this to his disciples. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, what's interesting for these Jewish men is they would have heard over six, they would have known of and memorized and had knowledge of over 600 commands at one time. Then they got given the 10 commandments. They would have known about the six, over 600 and the 10. And then Jesus shows up and says, I'm giving you a new command and it's totally changing everything about the way they think, the way they interact. He's literally like just transforming all of their intentions, everything about their life. It was a huge deal when he said this. So he didn't say it like this. Hey, you know what you guys should try? Maybe try loving one another as I've loved you. No, he was setting the scripture of command or the definition of command here is to direct, with, uh, is to direct authoritatively or to give an order. So Jesus isn't just saying, um, hey, you know what would maybe be fun to try or give this a shot. He's saying, no, I'm telling you, do this. Here's the new way. As the law has been fulfilled, the new way is this. Love your neighbor as I've loved you, which is what? Unconditionally. Even when they don't have it all put together, even when they don't vote the way you do, when they don't act the way you do, when they don't think the way you do, all of the things that you don't think, what are you still called to do? Love them the way Christ loved them, which is giving himself toward them. 
The book of Romans we talked about last week where it says that God sent his son Jesus, which was an act of love for us when we were what? Sinners. He loved us when we were messed up, jacked up, broken. He said, here's when you act in love. Even when they're like that, you still act in love. So we're called to act in love even when things aren't all put together. Amen? Amen. So today we'll start with 1 Corinthians 13.1. You can turn there or, or, or uh, save that spot or write it down. But 1 Corinthians 13.1 says this, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, meaning an annoying sound. If, I got, if, I'm, if I'm speaking in tongues of angels and all these things, but I have no love, I'm just an annoying sound. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. So scripture is saying, like, look, if you do all the church things, Use your faith and speak in tongues and prophesy and do all the things that we build up in church, but you aren't a person who walks in love, then it's all for nothing. Because this boils down to how we love each other. We're not impressed by the way you can do this in church and that in church and this in your study and this in your thing. What it comes down to is, are you loving people? If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. If we're doing all of this without love for one another, then it's all for nothing. I would say it to you like this. Love is not on the list. Oh, of all the things we got to do and the ways we got to be, we should put love on the list. Love isn't on the list. Love is the list. It's the capsule of everything that Jesus came to show and lead and teach is that we do it all in love. Love for one another when they have it together, not together when they're, are you with me? Love is not just something we have on the list. It is the list. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. And now these three remain. Faith, we love faith. We love hope, hope in Christ and love. And then it says this, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is, it's, it's great we walk in faith. It's great we have hope in Christ and the call that he has on our life and the purposes and all of those things. But the greatest of all of it is that we walk in love. Yeah. We've got to get this love thing right. Are you with me? So my point number one is this. Point number one is love must be expressed through our actions. Love must be expressed through our actions. Um, some of you watch The Bachelor. Um, the show on ABC, Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever it is. I know some of you are into that. And I've also learned this, that as you get older, there's no fighting yet. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you just turn into your parents. And my mom is here. My dad wisely is not in the service. He was first service when I made this point. But you just all of a sudden wake up one day and realize, like, you are your parents. Um, I used to sort of snicker to myself when I would flip houses with my dad and I would sort of just kind of laugh at myself because my dad, he would talk to himself so often. He would tell himself what he's going to do. So he'd be like, all right, we're going to come over here. We're going to cut this wood in 17 inches and do the thing. <laughs> Wouldn't you know when I go out in the garage, I'm out there like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. The good thing for me being a pastor is when someone catches me on it, like, are you? I'm praying. <laughs> I'm not talking to myself. 
repent. <laughs> but the thing my dad did growing up is I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me, and, um, and you don't worry about meeting him. I'm the better one, so it doesn't matter. But um, So he's two years younger than me, and we watched wrestling. Uh, growing up, pro wrestling, a couple times a week. And so my dad would come in to the room, and he'd watch what we were watching, and he'd just, you know, check on us and be there with us. And so he'd come in, and he'd watch for a minute, and he'd just, this is smut. This is just smut. You guys are watching smut. And he would leave. He would leave. And this is how you turn into your dad. I feel like the majority of what I think in life as I go through, like, the world, I just show up on every scene. I'm like, this is smut. <laughs> I go to the beach. I see what these girls are wearing at the beach. I'm like, this is smut. I'm at the mall. Like, what? That's, that's a kid's store? This is smut. So my wife, when she occasionally watches, the, when she's backsliding and watches The Bachelor, <laughs> I come into the room and I go, this is smut. I'm going to see what the rest of it's like. <laughs> but on The Bachelor, there's like, I think it, the, it's Pilot P. It's this guy right now. And then, like, the beginning of it, it's a dating show, for those of you that don't know or live under a rock. But um, it's this guy, and, like, the first day, the first episode, like, 3,000 women show up all to date this one guy. And they have this cocktail party where, in the first night, like, he's going to get to know all these women. And so in the beginning, like when they are talking, they're talking about like, I came here for the right reasons and I came here to find love and like, here's how I would love you. And they like have all these conversations about like, and then so then he does the interview after like, oh, I could just see myself with her. Like she wants to love me the way I would want to love her. And so they like have all this conversation about love. But now that you're down to the end, when he's talking to the camera, it's like, oh, I'm trying to make a decision. And I'm trying to make it, I got these other girls. I've narrowed it down to 1,000 girls, and I still need to make it. But he starts to talk about how, he starts to talk about what? Their action. It's moved from like a conversation about, with their words, how they would fall in love and be married and do life, to now he's judging things based on the actions. Are you with me? And I'm wondering how silly would it be if that was your dating process, like literally you have someone come over and you're just talking and talking about how you're going to be in love and how you're going to be married. And that's all you ever did was just have a conversation about it. You didn't actually go out and start seeing interactions in real life, how he or she reacts to things, how he or she leads things. You literally make a decision to give your life to something just based on what they say. You would never do that. But I just wonder how much of the world is coming to church and all they're hearing is just speeches from the church about how we're going to love them, how it will be better, but they never see action from us. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, come and we're going to tell you about Jesus and how he's going to love us and how, but we're never out there actually showing how Jesus is changing us and he is making us better and he is teaching us how to love well. Are you with me? It has to move from a place of conversation to a, a place of expressed action. We got to go out and show it. First John chapter 3, verse 16 says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show it by our actions. It's not enough just to say, oh, I'm going to pray for you when you have the ability to actually help them. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's on my heart. 
Let's make it on our feet and our hands as we go make it an action. Are you with me? we got to move it from just this idea of love to an expressed action. Otherwise, it, it misses. You know, that's what we said in the first verse that I read in John is where it says um, that by this, the scripture says, by this, he will know, the world will know that we're his disciples. By what? By the way that we actually love each other in our actions. By the way that we get out of church and start loving people throughout the week in our actions. Our time, our money, our calendar. Our, are you with me? That's how the world is going to know that this thing is legit, is when we do it with action. Point number two is this. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with the way that you love people. Uh, I think we're really good at loving people when it's easy. So there's no planning that comes in that because an easy situation showed up and it was easy to love. You have plenty, so it's easy to meet the need over here. It didn't cost you anything. But I think there's times where love is required of us and it's complicated and it's messy and it's hard and it's difficult. And if you're not intentionally leading yourself in a way that says, even when they're unlovable, even when it's complicated, even when it changes everything, I'm still going to. You have to be intentional, not just wait for all the easy ones to come. We have to be intentional about the way that we're ready to say yes to loving somebody because here's the truth. Nobody is a natural born lover. And my wife would disagree, but that's, a, that's another thing. What I'm saying is, some of you are just like, I told you we should have went to En Gedi. He's gross. He's so gross. <clears throat> she don't think so, but that's not your business. Lauren, just don't encourage me over here. But here's my point. It's fine. It, we, it's daylight saving Sunday. We can have a little fun. Just calm down. Some of you, I see your fun polices. You guys are getting your siren like, I don't like this. We can't have fun in church. Calm down. Jeez. I can say that about me, and you're like, I don't like it. But when I say bachelor, you're like, yeah, we know that. We know all about that. All right. So here's the truth. Don't hear it the way I just said it. None of us are naturally gifted and born to love the unlovable. Like, like loving people doesn't come natural. There's not anyone that's born like, oh, I was born with that gift to love people always, no matter what. There's no, there's no gift test that you score in that. That's why I'm saying we have to be intentional. It's something we have to work at is loving people intentionally when they frustrate us or you're going to walk into that environment and you know it's going to trigger you and annoy you and upset you, but you still intentionally schedule things to go in and be the light. Yeah. Are you with me? we got to be intentional because it doesn't come natural. Point number three, we're going to have a little bit more fun, so get your fun police sirens out and <laughs> wave them at me. Point number three is this. Love requires proper perspective. Love requires for us to keep proper perspective about what love really is versus what our idea of love is. We got to keep perspective. I'll tell you this, for those that desire to have kids and, and have kids and, and uh, you have this idea of what your kids are going to be like, oh, we're going to have kids and they're just going to be so cute and they're going to have his eyes and they're going to have my hair. And you, you start building this idea of how you're going to love your kids and we're going to love them like this and it's going to go like this and they're going to be so cute and perfect and not like everybody else's kids. They're going to be so cute. So you build this idea of this is how I'm going to love these kids. This is how it's going to go. 
My parents are tracking with me. <laughs> this is how it's going to, this is my perspective of how loving my kids is going to go. And so I want to introduce you to our youngest. This is Callie. And uh, she's our youngest. Oh my gosh, see what I'm talking about? It's like so cute. And we just love her. See her in that first picture. We're out to a restaurant and she just, she holds that crayon like that every time. And that's all she does at a restaurant. It's just smile for pictures and hold her crayon. She would never like eat that crayon, of course, or throw it in the syrup, you know, that we're all trying to like, no, no. So she's, and look at that nap. That's all I have to do to get her to nap, you guys. I just take her and I just place her in there. She folds up her hands and, because like, this is what I knew our kids would be. This was my perspective of how parenting, and then of course those little snacks on her fingers right there, those little black olives. She, we give her her snacks and she just puts them on her finger and eats them. I never show up to work with like something stuck to me that I didn't know got left somewhere. <laughs> no, she eats them perfectly. I gotta tell a story about this little hairdo over here. Um, so I had the kids, my wife was absent um, from our home, and uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not trying to make her sound like an absent parent, I'm just trying to remember that day what she was, oh yeah, she was at Disney World without us and the kids, <laughs> with her friends. That's what she was doing that day, I forgot. So I was like, my picture of love is, you know, I'm going to be a great dad, and I'm going to do the girls' hair, and I love having girls, and so like, I'm going to do their hair and figure this out, and so no joke. Uh, I got on YouTube, and I spent about 14 minutes uh, figuring out how to do this little thing on her hair, and that was the result right there. <laughs> and even the baby's face is like, Dad, why are you taking a picture? I look like trash. What is this? Even the one-year-old was like, Dad, you didn't do it good here. So you have this idea of what it's going to be, and, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be so cute and so perfect, and I think we get tempted at times when it's not perfect to be like, this isn't working. There's no love in this. Are you with me? Yeah. So then the other blessing we have as a parent is we get to like take video and uh, we get to like share it. And so I just like, oh, we're gonna just sing with our kids and love our kids. And so I have that too. I'll show you. Here's Callie singing Frozen. Do you wanna build a? Me. Come on, let's go in. Me. Oh, no. she's perfect, right? Don't look at me, look at the baby. If you looked at me, you're. She's perfect, and she just sings all the time. She never does anything other than just sing and be joyful. You guys get her uh, on Sundays, and so like on a Sunday afternoon, you're like, oh, we had your daughter in nursery, and she's the sweetest. Yeah, I know, because like that's what it was going to be. That's my perspective. I knew that was going to be. She's going to be perfect. And so like when you guys get her on Sunday, she's this. You're like, oh, she's so cute. <laughs> she's so cute. You know where this is going. Those of you that watch Rated R Movies. When she comes back to me on a Sunday, like, oh, she's so cute. She was so fun. But you don't realize I'm at home dealing with this. Yeah, right. Like, you knew. Some of you are like, how could you call your daughter a gremlin? Next picture. It's not that different. It's close. It's close. I'm not stretching it very far. Calm down. I love her. She's not a gremlin. And the truth is about this picture, she's throwing a fit while we were at Disney World just because I was trying to play with her in the pool. And this is what we got because my perspective of what it would be changed. But how many know I loved her anyway? I loved her anyway. Let me keep going. The other idea that I thought that we would have would be like dinner time. Come on. I got this perspective of like how our kids are going to be at dinner. Certainly, we're going to gather around the table we're all going to pray, and it's going to be amazing. The kids are going to pray down heaven. It's going to be perfect. 
and uh, we'll just talk about our day and share our deep thoughts with each other. And then I realize I need some better perspective because it's not going to be that. It's probably going to look more like this right here. Yeah, so I don't know why her shirt is over her head. I don't know why she's not in a high chair. I don't know why she has an adult fork. But I do know at this time in my life, this was the best thing we could be doing. Because perspective, I love her anyway. Why do I, why do I love her anyway? Because she's my child. And I, and I know what I believe. And I know what she's worth. Are you with me? So parenting is another thing you have a perspective about. Let me carry on for just a minute. I know you, uh, you weren't the faithful, strong ones who did daylight savings and then came to first service. So I don't feel bad if I run long on you. Uh, so parenting. Oh, like parenting. Like the kids are going to listen to me every time. I mean, like I'm a pastor. I'm a licensed, ordained minister of the gospel. These children will listen to me, right? They're going to listen to everything I say the first time. Certainly, they're not going to make evil faces at me when I, and when I tell them to do something, they're going to do it right away. However, just this week, knowing that I was going to preach this sermon, it took me like one second to be able to be home and capture the opposite of what I just described. So here's a video of me telling Callie not to get on the table because she wants to go destroy her brother's Legos. And so I said, don't get on the table, Callie. And then this is what we see here. Evil eyes. Oh, now spinning. Now we're spinning. I know your kids don't spit. I'm just putting it out there. Callie. I said no. Get down. Callie. I say get down. Oh. Get down. Don't give me mom's eyes. Those are mom's eyes. I don't. Wow. I don't know what you guys are doing in kids' church, but you got to fix these kids. I drop them off every Sunday for you to get this right. So my perspective has had to change because I love my children. Even though I, I know that they're my children, they were created, they have purpose. Even though it doesn't look like what I think it should look like, I still have love and you get perspective and you realize that they still need me. They still, I'm in their life for a reason. Amen. Uh, one more for you that you're going to love. And so uh, my mother watched our kids this week and that's great. And so she hung out with the kids. She also bought my daughter, Caroline, who's uh, seven, bought her a calendar to put next to her bed. And so it's got this little calendar and every day uh, Caroline checks off the days and, you know, counts things down. And so uh, I noticed mom had stayed and, uh, and go ahead and put that picture up there. So mom stayed with the kids and put Caroline to bed. And I noticed right there, you see on uh, March 9 that she wrote daddy with a heart. Uh, she wrote on March 9, daddy with a heart. Yeah, this is my mother over here that don't know. And that's, that's so cute. You know, mom wrote my birthday on the calendar for my daughter to check off. The only problem is my birthday is not March 9. <laughs> my birthday is March the 16th. <laughs> write it down. Go ahead. Write that down. <laughs> so my daughter comes to me. I don't know any of this. My daughter comes to me. Oh, dad, I'm checking it off. Your birthday's in two days. I'm like, no, honey, it's not in two days. It's on six. No, Nana, your mom. <laughs> wrote it on the calendar. Here's what I know about perspective. Yeah. She does have a daughter uh, whose birthday is March 9th, which apparently she, she prefers before me. <laughs> but here's the truth, and I'm just playing, obviously. I don't hold that against my mother. 
I scheduled an appointment to talk to someone about it, but, <laughs> but here's the truth. My mom doesn't have to get my birthday right on my daughter's calendar for me to know that she, I, she loves me, right? I just adjust my perspective. Like, and so sometimes we're always like, everything has to be like this for us to actually be in love and walk in love and go, are you tracking with me? And what does that have to do with like how we love the world? Well, here's the truth. I see, uh, let me just keep going on this. I see um, young moms, you know, they become pregnant for the first time and, and they're in the church and we love that and we get to hear their stories and we're excited for them. But then you see them, they start pinning things on Pinterest. So they go on there and they're like, oh, we're going to have a nursery and it's going to be perfectly painted. And they pin these perfect like fairy tale nurseries. And, and everything's so clean and bright and fluffy and smells like essential oils always. Like we're just creating this nest. And they go in there and they have like quiet time for the baby in the womb to like get used to the room. All the crazy stuff that they do, right? But what they don't understand is one month into having that baby, it's no longer going to be fluffy and beautiful and smell like essential oils. No, it's going to smell like permafart in there. <laughs> and there's going to be every type of bodily fluid dried and crusted somewhere in that room. Just one month into it. Just one month into it. So no, it's going to be fluffy and it's going to be nice. No, it's not. I promise you it's not. And, and that smell will never go away. My wife, uh, she's like Monica from Friends. She loves to clean stuff. And so she, anytime she can, like, put on the gloves and get some pine saw and go clean the thing. And so to us, to me, when we're having kids, she's like, oh, this nursery, and it's going to be clean. I'll just, I'm going to be different. We'll just steam clean, and it will be cute. Yeah, please. You're not even going to have time for a shower yourself. <laughs> like, there's times, like, I'm like, Jess, what is in your hair? What's in your hair? She's like, oh, my gosh, it's spaghetti. I'm like, Jess, we had spaghetti Monday. It's Thursday. <laughs> like, what happened to... <laughs> What happened to everything is going to be, here's what I'm trying to say is this. When we're loving people, when you, you, the perspective of it all is like we think, oh, we're going to love the world. We're going to change the world. We're going to evangelize the world. And it's going to smell like essential oils while we do that. And everything's going to be fluffy. Now the world's going to get some spaghetti in your hair. And you're going to step into some situations where you're trying to love the unlovable. And that situation is going to feel like permafart. <laughs> Are you with me? And we all have this picture that like loving well is that picture of Jesus sitting on a rock. He's got a lamb on his lap. Everybody come to me and hear about love. And we think that's what it is to love well, that the world is just going to come to us and they're going to hear all our wisdom and our perspective of it is so perfect. No, it's insanely sacrificial. We think. Everyone's going to come hear about this inspiring love. But to actually give love to the world and to those that need, what it actually looks like is breaking off, crucifying a part of yourself and giving it to somebody else in the name of love, just like Christ did for us. Last night, Jess and I, Saturday night, Daylight Savings, we're spending our Saturday night in a long conversation about deep things, making complicated decisions, crying, frustrated, trying to just work out things in our life. Not that we're in any crazy kind of situation, but doing what? We're, we're having these conversations about like how the world is putting spaghetti in our hair. Yeah. And we're in these situations that are, as I already said, permafart situations. 
but we want, we want the lamb on our lap and everyone coming to see, yeah. right? No, it's breaking off parts of ourselves and giving it to people. That's what the scripture calls us to do. I thought about my life. Uh, it's so sacrificial. I'll just, I'll give you that point right there. Point number four is this, love requires sacrifice. Love requires sacrifice. Even having kids, um, here's the perspective that we need to have with kids. And that my, 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 my point to it is this, with my kids, my perspective can change from what I thought it was going to be to what it is, and I'm glad to do it. Why? Because they're my children. And our perspective of what we think love should be in the church and how we love people, when it's called to change, we should gladly change. Why? Because every brother and sister in this world is a child of God. There was a time in heaven where they were created by God and we're called to love them no matter what. Literally created and formed before they even came here. Jesus had them on their mind. And so therefore our perspective should be not how they're right or wrong or how they fit or don't. Our perspective should be, I'll do what I need to do to love them because they're a child of God and he loves them. Amen. So it requires sacrifice. I didn't get to say this in first service, but I have time to say it today. But let me tell you, there is no greater sacrifice. Like this scripture right here where they say there is no greater love than those that would lay down their life for their friends. I disagree. There is no greater love than the person who goes out to the car when you have, and takes the car seats out of the car. I mean, I feel like the Antichrist invented car seats. It's like, oh, how are we going to get the majority of people to burn in hell? I know. Let's create these sharp little metal tabs that go under the car seat which by the time you need to take it out is filled with suckers and cheeseburgers and dead animals that tried to eat those things. You don't even know what you're putting your hand under too to get the metal tab that the box says pops right off of the metal, pops right off. Nobody's popped any car seat out ever. Pops right out. So the antichrist who runs car seats is like, this is how we'll get the majority of the world to go to hell. We'll create these car seats that work like this. So the other night I was leaving. We were going to go with some friends and we had to take some car seats out of the car. And I was literally getting ready to say just, hey, I'm going to run out and pop those car seats out of the car. Like, pop them out. Nobody has ever in the history of mankind popped a car seat out of a car. But here's what I know about this is that literally when you get to hell, you're going to get to hell. And they're, they're going to, I'm not saying like you are. I'm just saying when people do, if that struck you, then that's your own thing to work out. We have a prayer. But, but when people get to hell, they're going to get to hell and, and, and they're going to be like, welcome to hell. Uh, here's what you're going to do for the rest of your eternity. Take car seats out of things. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, what? That's why I'm at hell because of those things. I've lost my salvation trying to pop those things out of there. And uh, I always come in the house I'm like, that's it. Sell it, sell it, sell those awful things. And Jess is like, Oh, honey, you can't sell car seats online because they expire. I'm like, no, I'm talking about the kids. Just get it all out. I'm over it all. I'm over it all. How is he a pastor? He knows nothing about love. The world is going to get spaghetti in our hair. The world is going to, it's, but it's going to take sacrifice. I love my truck. I love my truck to be clean. But because I love my children more. Right? You love things. You love your bank account. You love your calendar. You love things. But because you love the children of God more, 
Are you with me? That we do what we got to do with love. I'll close with this, Trav, if you want to come play something pretty. Any Dave Matthews will work. Just hit me with something. Wow, Jeff. There's days I like you and then days that I pray you're going to take car seats out for eternity. I, lo- I know when I've crossed the line because the tech team is back there. It's like, gosh. That's why you don't give me this much time on a service. Here's reality. I know you guys hate fun, but it's fine. Here's reality. Here's reality. Let me be truthful. And it's this. Proper perspective gives us the motivation to make the sacrifices required. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And his perspective of, and, and I can't say this for him, but I'm just saying he's having this moment where he's like, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Basically saying, uh, I know I'm called to save the world and I'm the Messiah and I'm the savior of everything. Maybe he had this idea of what it would be and how love would be. And he's saying, if there's any other way, but instead he prays and he's like, God, give me perspective. Help me be intentional. All the things we just talked about. Help me see that even though it doesn't look like what I thought maybe it would look like, and I know he's all-knowing, we're not going to get into a theology debate, but I'm just saying, he's saying, like, if there's any other way, but instead, he ends it by saying, God, your will, not mine. What he's wrapping it up by saying is, like, I'm going to make the sacrifice. And so proper perspective gives us the motivation to make the sacrifices required. He says, not your will, but my will. He, he has this perspective of what it takes. And again, I'm just going back to, we got to just get perspective. We got to be intentional. Like, they're hard to love. I don't know how we'd ever get through to them. I don't know how I'd ever make a difference. It seems like an impossible journey. But with right perspective and with all the things, we say, God, help me love them well in this situation. Point number four, as I shared, is love requires sacrifice. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He said daily. He didn't say every once in a while when it feels like the right time at church or the right time at thing. No, we deny ourselves daily. We, dev- we deny what we want it to look like, hope it would look like, the idea of what it could look like. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross and we love anyway. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. The way that we love well is when we give ourselves to others, not when we save it for ourselves. Amen. I said this last week. I'll say it again. I believe the number one issue facing America is not government, education, corporations, billionaires, media, sexuality, economy, healthcare. It's none of those things. I believe the number one issue we see facing America is we have a love problem. We are not loving the world. We are not loving others the way that Christ called us to love one another. If the church could get it right and start preferring others and start loving others and start loving the way Christ loved us, even when we're not all put together, I believe it would transform the world. Are you with me? So we got to give ourselves to it. Those four points, you think on them. You say, God, how am I making changes? What do I need to do? I know this has been a work in my heart through the whole process. God, what? What can I do? What can I change? How can I be intentional? What do I need to sacrifice so that I can love the way you call me to love? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your way. Lord, I pray that you help us just gain your perspective, heaven's perspective, that everyone is a son and daughter of yours. 
everyone deserves your love, perfect love. So even when it doesn't work out perfectly or arrange the way we think it will, God, help us to see through your eyes. God, we want to be a people and a church of action, not just of conversation. Help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.